Hello, everybody. Today you have Jake and Seth, and we're going to just be doing a quick news brief, if you would. Uh, it's March 3rd. Uh, we're not going to be talking about real world news, what's going on in Ukraine, because clearly we are not qualified. Um, so if you want that news, go somewhere else, people. But March 3rd, first thing on our list, Francis Ford Coppola financing his own movie for $120 million called Megalopolis. Uh, some big names attached. It's like Oscar Isaac, Kate Blanchett. We've seen Zendaya's name attached. Um, seems to be pretty ambitious. Seth, your boy, he's back in the game. He's gambling on himself. Talk to me. Your thoughts, your feelings. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, he, he's a, a one-of-a-kind guy. I mean, obviously, in the 70s, both Godfathers, the conversation, Apocalypse Now, one of the greatest friends for any director ever. I, I think he's in the conversation for the best director of all time because of that period. Um made some notable movies since then you know i i like some of his movies that after that period some of them were, were kind of misses um but i mean always known as a guy that would put his money where his mouth is and like you know that from apocalypse now he wagered everything no nobody in hollywood thought that movie was going to work nobody thought heart of darkness in vietnam was going to be a working combination it, it turned out to be a great great movie and he still owns the rights to it and, and he still recoups the money from that um, he also wagered all his money for a movie called One from the Heart in the early 80s and, and kind of bankrupted himself. And I do think that's what led ultimately to Godfather 3 being made, was that he kind of needed the money. Then he kind of has a little run in the 90s there, you know, with, with movies like Bram Stoker's Dracula and The Rainmaker and stuff. But again, Rainmaker to me is kind of the last real notable movie that he made, which was like 1997. And so, so it's been 20 years since he's made like a, a movie that I really, really have appreciated. And so... I mean, again, he is who he is, and I, I wouldn't give up on him, um, you know, but uh, if I were a betting man, I, I'm not I'm not going to bet that he's going to reshape Hollywood with this Megalopolis movie. I know that he really he really believes in it, and he's putting up $120 million to do it. He sold his winery, Coppola Wines, to, to get some of that financing, and so he really is wagering, you know, something that was personally important to him to get this movie made, and I respect somebody especially somebody of that kind of talent and that type of resume to, that, that would do something like that. But again, it's just hard for me to believe that he's going to pull it off. You know, he, Scorsese has been making movies from the same time period and he's been much more consistent. And so maybe if he were doing a project like that, I'd have a little more faith. You know, the Irishman I thought was a decent movie. I don't think it was a, a great, great movie, but it was still like a certain level, but I don't think it like reshaped Hollywood I don't know if Coppola can do it again. I mean, I don't know that he has an apocalypse now in him again. And so it would be amazing to me if he did. And I hope that he does, but it's just, I would give it maybe a, a 10% chance that, it, that he, I mean, and I think that's a generous, <laughs> generous odds there. You mean like in terms of that it will be made or that it will be good? I, I think, and that it would be, yeah, like a, a movie that was at least recognized, like a movie that at least garnered awards. Um, he wants it to like the way he talks about it is like it will be another Godfather or it will be another Apocalypse Now, and like to me that's maybe a one percent chance to be honest. Even that, from him, I agree. I mean, it's it, I'll, I'll never say never. It's as George Miller did it in '80 with Mad Max Fury Road, kind of revived his career. Not that it was like a game changer, but it was an incredible, a really incredible film. I thought, um, but it's really difficult, obviously, to make a game changer. I don't know of anyone who's actually called it before the movie came out or was made. So, like, I, it's pretty. I, I, 
I with how much he's with how much he's gambling on it. I want it to do well. Um, I feel like I know we talked in the past. I feel like sometimes I kind of bash him. I, I'm not. I like him. I like a lot of his films. I know it can be kind of hard to work with, but my, the things that concern me, it's really the biggest thing is that old, it's not the old days where like they're just studios and you can piss off a few studios. Like they're streamers and granted there's not like a hundred, but the streamers have been throwing out tons of money, spending a billion dollars to get Lord of the Rings that Amazon produced. They're spending money hand over fist at Netflix, giving money to people. They give Scorsese $300 million to realize his pet project and the Irishman. Um, I'm not going to go through all of them, but where I'm going with this is there's been a lot of funding from the streamers to a lot of projects. And the one thing that concerns me is all these people are passing on it and it's only being made for 120 million. It doesn't sound to me that it's going to be so much like pushing the envelope in terms of the product, like the physical production resources and, but maybe more of like a storytelling aspect. But with that being said too, if everyone's passing on the story, like I, I guess I'm kind of, when I saw the price tag at 120 million and realized like that's a lot of money, but not for a modern movie, like they're making rom-coms for like 80 million, 70 million now. So I want it to be good. My concern is if everyone's passing on it, like it kind of makes me question the actual quality of the story. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're Francis Ford Coppola and you can't get a studio or a streamer to give you a, a big portion of that money, you know, that's a red flag to me. Again, the same thing happened with Apocalypse Now, though. Like, nobody wanted to make that movie. He had to personally finance it. That was back in the 70s when he was in his prime, and so it's a much different situation. But it's like, he has been in that spot before, and so I think he... I mean, I read the the magazine article with him talking about it, and he just... He thought it was funny. You know, he thought it's funny that nobody... like You know, because he was like, I've been here before, and I did it before, and I made a great movie. I made a masterpiece. And that's like, when somebody's done that, you have to give them a little bit respect, um, granted, that's a long time ago, and you know it's been a long time since those prime years that he had. Um, but like, you know, if he does pull it off, it would be like so fucking legendary. I, I would say that it's like uh, it would put him back. He's always going to be at that level of those new age directors. Like he's made, as you said, like he's made the films. He's there, but this would be if he's able to do it with such a gap between like. The last time he did it and yeah obviously you can sit here and say well steven spielberg's been making great movies blah, blah, blah. yeah that's great this is an even more incredible journey if he's able to make this film it, does, it doesn't even need to be the next fucking matrix or um and i'm saying matrix in terms of like bullet time like how much it kind of impactful it was like it doesn't need to be the next matrix it doesn't need to be the next godfather it doesn't need to be the next uh, apocalypse now if it's just a good movie like that has some you, you talked about important like if it makes money or gets captures the zeitgeist like that's going to be really cool like and and the fact he's able if he's able to do that i think it will it will to me that's not going to be a mark against him for having such a long time in between that to me would be like a feather in his cap and just one of the things that helps differentiate him and but also remind us about why he is one of the, the greats. It would be really cool if he does it. It would yeah. make people like me eat my words, and I would love that. Like I would honestly love. And again, it's like there's just so few directors that have that type of reputation. You know, I, I was always sad that Kubrick kind of died uh, a little too early. I feel like, and like I just feel like he had other movies that he was gonna make that would have been super interesting to see. And so it's like when you lose a talent, whether they're in their prime or they're not, it's just kind of sad. And so the fact that he is still alive, he is still creative. He he wants to make a masterpiece movie again. 
I mean, that's cool to me. And it's like, do I think he's going to pull it off? Probably not. No. But like, I appreciate that he's still trying. And like, I mean, like you said, $120 million for a movie today, not a ton of money, but that is a ton of money. Even if, if you're personally financing, I think, I mean, if you're not the head of a studio and you're personally financing a movie of that larger budget, that's a crazy, even by today's standards, I think that's a crazy move. And so, I mean, <laughs> again, like he has his masterpieces. He, he'll never be forgotten. He has his place in like the Hollywood lore or, or the Mount Rushmore. You know, it's like, and yeah, you know, Steven Spielberg and Scorsese, they took different routes. I think you could argue they've made safer projects. You know, Coppola's a guy that's going to make what he wants to make, whether it bankrupts him or whether, you know, it's something that does click with everybody uh, worldwide. It's just, that's who he is. And so, uh, you know, he's he's sticking to who he is. It's, he, he hasn't changed. You know, he, he's not making movies for anybody else. He's trying to make the movies that he thinks is genuine art, genuine masterpiece movies. And so I love that about him. But like, again, I, I would never bet my own money that he's going to all of a sudden make something as groundbreaking as the Godfather of Apocalypse Now again. It's a good thing he's spending his own money then. Old Frankie, <laughs> Frankie Ford. Um so yeah, we, we'll obviously talk about that as, the, as that project moves through. And then one last, one other quick topic for you here. Unless there's anything else you want to say about your your boy. Uh, no, I, don't, I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, sure, you can call him my boy. But I, I feel like everybody loves Coppola. Everyone loves those early movies he made. So it's like, I don't think anybody's rooting against him. But no. it's been 20 years since he made like a notable movie. And so it's just, it's crazy to me that he is doing this thing. But yeah, I mean that's. I, I'm more just like kind of amazed that he's he's still going for it that hard. Nothing America loves more than a comeback. We're rooting for you, Frankie. <laughs> um, all right, topic number two and last. The Batman opens tonight. I'm actually going to go see it with my brother and a few of his friends. Super excited. Um, Want to get your thoughts? Yeah, interesting. I mean, I'm not going to be able to watch it in theaters. So I'll probably have to wait to rent it or something like that. But definitely interested in it. The, the trailers look cool. Um, I'm interested in Pattinson's performance. Very interested in the Paul Daniel performance. Um, I know we had talked at one point, the Joker role has garnered three different Oscar nominations for different actors. And so I think it'd be interesting if, if Dano could get some recognition for you know doing the Riddler. It sounds like he does a really good performance in the movie. That's probably the aspect I'm most interested in. But yeah, I mean, it just even the look uh, and just kind of the feel of the movie, it looks interesting. And so... I also kind of wonder if it fits into the Nolan movies or if it's a, if it'll kind of be its own thing. I believe, I'm pretty sure it's meant to be its own thing. Um, in terms of, I don't think this is Nolan's Batman. Uh, could be wrong. Okay. I'll know for I, sure. I thought I read something that was like supposed to be between Batman Begins and Dark Knight, and it's kind of in that early Batman period or something like that. It could be, but the one thing about... Dark Knight and Batman Begins is the Joker's around at the end of Begins, so I don't. There's not like a huge window. That's true. Um, but again, we're talking about comic book films here, so I don't know. They never filled out. Who it could have been yeah. months, and they did say they're hunting him for months, so it, it it very well could fit into that. But I'm just assuming the way it's shot, like the they're bringing the Catwoman. I think the general approach, the way I'm approaching it, is this, is this its own beast? I see. Yeah, and that's probably the right way to approach it. It's also clearly like, you know, the Joker movie was its own thing. And so, but uh, do you know, like, is this going to be a new series of Batman movies? Or do you think this is like a one-off? The There's a sequel. He's already working on the sequel. I, th I think it was sold as a trilogy. Uh, okay. I, I My understanding now is this is standalone. 
uh, like it's not there's not going to be Batman in the Wonder Woman film or or the Justice League, but could be wrong. There is also and DC is doing it a little differently, like having all these different buckets. But they're also I'll be quick. Flashpoint's coming out. Flash movie with Ezra Miller. Flashpoint. What happens is uh, one of his Flash goes back in time and changes something, and then one of his enemies goes back and changes something too. And long story short, there's basically an irrevocable change um, that that uh, changes DC. Like DC literally use it to reset all of their comic book characters. And so the story is in of itself a reset and it allowed them to. So what I think DC the studios is going to do is have Flashpoint and they're bringing in Michael Keaton's Batman. They're already bringing in different versions. Like what we've seen Marvel do with Spider-Man Far From Home and Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, like touch on multiverse. So what they're doing, they're bringing in all these different aspects. I think the DC universe at the end of Flashpoint might be very different. And I know Ben Affleck's here, and Ben Affleck's going to be in this film too. <clears throat> so where I'm going with this, it, there is a chance that once this film is over, that like Ben Ben Affleck's gone, but Michael Keaton's the new Batman, and or or maybe Robert Pattinson's the new Batman in that Justice League world. So I think they're going to use this to kind of, to basically reset um, all that stuff. So uh, no, yeah. So this film is I think the approaching it. It takes place in its own universe. At the same time. Won't be surprised if Jason Momoa or Gal Gadot drops in to say hello. Can I ask you uh, one other question on a separate topic? Please do. Are we going to have a baseball season this year, Jake? You know what? I would have thought yes before, even a few days ago, but... That's where I was. I was like, they're definitely going to get a deal done at, right at the deadline and we'll be okay. But now it does seem like they've crossed that point where it's at least going to be uh, a shortened season, I guess is what I would say. The, the, best case scenario. Yeah, the, 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 the owners are already cutting games off the season, uh, but the players still want to be paid for 162. And that's like a hard selling point. Now, granted, that's something they can use for leverage. But where I am concerned is that that is now a new thing they need to negotiate that didn't exist before two weeks ago and so what was like these games like this was supposed to be used as like uh my i'm not an expert my understanding the canceling of games was used to pressure the players the owners are kind of approaching this more aggressively long story short the owners basically in their final counter offer didn't really come up from where they were previously like not even not even again i'm not an expert but they basically had the same competitive balance tax for the first three years without it going up and the players weren't asking for much. I think it was like 15, 18 million the first year, like 20, like there was a way to get to those numbers or find a middle ground and, and the owners didn't seem to care. But the bigger concern for me is the reason I feel that, as I just said, like they had all these issues. Now they're starting to cancel games and now there's a new issue because the players are blaming the owners for canceling the games and want to be paid for 162. So that's a whole new thing that they got to work out. It just seemed to me like, I'm not going to name any, but it just seemed like the press made it seem like they were closer to a deal than they actually were. And it just seems to me like they might not actually be that. And, and, and like you said, now there's a new issue with like, what are we doing with the canceled games or can we get the full season? And it's just like, it's at a point right now where it doesn't feel good. I, I also, with that, 
I think there's a very real possibility that that's the owners playing dirty pool. There's been a lot of dirty pool yeah. so far. Like people like Max Scherzer drove up, drove up and there are articles criticizing him for driving like a Ferrari. He's made like $500 million in his career. Why wouldn't he drive a Ferrari? And then Garrett Cole pulls up in a rental car and people, and the, the same newspapers are bashing him for pulling up in a rental car. It's like, I'm not going to go super deep here, but. I do think there's some weird like class warfare, like dirty pool going on with these owners and the, and the newspapers. And the owners have more connections with those newspapers and the press as well. And so I, yeah, I think a lot of that's been going on. Yeah. It's just, I, the players are unanimous. They unanimously rejected it. The owners want to cancel games because apparently most of them lose money the first two months. And I don't see the players. The players were really pissed when they purposely canceled games two years ago. I don't think they're going to reward the owners for canceling games this year on purpose. Like, so I'm not confident. I think there's a chance that if the players are really that dedicated and the owners are really this feel this way, the only way it's going to end is if the players break the owners, which means we're going to need to lose a season because the prospect of a second losing season, I think would, would, if the owners don't get any money this year, they're going to like, that's going to be bad. Like I, they yeah, they're billionaires, but th- that's a huge loss for them. Even so, I I sadly think it's going to go down to the wire. I, or I think I mean my guess right now, like I, said, I, I think that it'll be a shortened season. But I do think they'll play games this year. It'd be hard for me to believe that they're going to cancel the whole season. But boy, that would really suck if that's where we're at with this thing. That would really suck, and it's just. I mean, I I, I need to learn more. The, to understand where baseball was in 1985 and the fact that it was the number one sport and it's now where it is now. And it's like, I'm sure two work stoppages in 15 years really hurt it in 81 and 94, but it just is like, it's just so interesting. Like they keep losing ground and I don't know. It's, it'll make for a great book one day. I'm sure there's some good books about it already, but it's, I just want them to play. It's, I like, I like baseball. Agreed. I hope they play. Let's play ball people. Get play, this fucking deal done. Play ball, Bobby Manfred. All right, is that that it for the day? That's it. Have a good day, people. Have a good day. Bye-bye.